This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Central Station. Have you ever felt like you needed a mentor? Someone you could count on in the workplace, an education setting, or even simply a trusted friend? For school students, this can be an incredibly important source of support. My guest today is Leah Schmerling, the Director and Principal Consultant at Career Coaching and Training. As part of her range of training solutions, Leah runs courses on coaching and mentoring for teachers through Teacher Training Australia, or TTA. And it's through these courses that she's able to share her experience with teachers so that they can help students with challenges at school and the difficult transition from school to tertiary or work life. As Leah explains, she was fortunate to benefit from a great mentor herself, something she's cherished for a long time. So going back then a few years, I'm assuming that mentoring would have entered your life at, a, at an earlier age. Where, who mentored you? When did that start for you? Look, I was very blessed to um, have been mentored by a very close friend, and she mentored me professionally and personally, even though she was a close friend. And with that relationship, I was able to share my thoughts, my vulnerabilities and challenges, and she would listen. She'd be empathic. She's She was broad-minded, and she was really able to guide me through, you know, many different thoughts that we all have. But Importantly, she was accepting of me no matter what, and mm. it was through her support I think I could really spread my wings. And I've got to be honest and say, probably become the person that I am um, because it came out, that potential came out, and that was that foundation that led it out. But she also gave me that foundation of what a good mentoring relationship looks like. What context was that in? Was it a work context or a social context or just a friend context? Yeah, it was a social context, a a friend. In fact, I met her when we had our children together. But she was very wise. She was about 10 years older than me, had a lot of experience. Ah. And, you know, she saw things in many different ways, not just this narrow framework that most people see things. Okay, when you when you say a wider framework, how did you how did you start to recognize that that it was wider and not not perhaps a narrower view? Because she'd always say, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And she would analyse things from different perspectives. Um, And there was um, a beauty in that because rather than seeing things in a shallow, one-sided way, when you start developing your mind to see a lot of options and therefore a lot of opportunities, you start thinking in a different way. And so did that? Uh, did the age difference at the start make uh, uh, an impact on you? Did you think, oh, gosh, this person's 10 years older than me and, and here they are giving me all this advice? Uh, did you feel like you needed someone even older or someone closer to your age? How did you respond to that? Oh, it was perfect. Um, I just see her as a blessing from God, drop down in my life um, <laughs> for about probably 10 years and it was perfect um, on so many levels. Obviously, her thinking processes, as I've said, her relationship with me, some of her qualities. And the fact that she wasn't a teacher meant she could think about, well, what were good teaching experiences? Mm. And having children makes you think, well, what do I want for children? How can I help them grow and develop? So we navigated quite a lot together. Okay. is that Am I picking up that you were a teacher? 
I still am a teacher. Oh, I love st- it. <laughs> you still are a teacher. Well, that's fantastic. So something I wanted to ask a little bit more detail about was the, was the age difference, and that's why I've picked up on that. Um, how significant is a reasonable age difference between the person being mentored and the mentor? I would probably say it's not um, the age difference that's important. It's the compatibility in the relationship between people. You've got to be able to be yourself and receive open and honest feedback. Um, You've got to be able to see yourself constructively, not take it personally. So for me, um, age doesn't have anything to do with that. If I'm honest, she really didn't have a lot of work Um, working life behind her, but it was enough to keep guiding me. So now it goes back to what they bring to the table. Okay. And so when you say that you're still a teacher, is that in a school context or in a commercial training context? No, in a tertiary context and also through um, TTA, through the school system, um, you know, working with teachers and corporate training that's my background i've done that for over 35 years and i really feel so proud to have found my niche so is it is it part of the job of a teacher then thinking about the tertiary and the secondary context i'm particularly interested in the tertiary context actually is it is it part of the job of the the professor or the lecturer or thinking about the school context that the teacher to then identify in students uh, where the where the needs for mentoring might be. What's what's the role in the teacher to try and make those connections for the student? Okay. Uh, look, I feel quite strongly about this because in the school system, obviously being at school, there's a lot of focus on content, content and theories, mm. things you do need in life because there's a curriculum to get through. And there is a little bit of work in careers. And in fact, there's a bit more emphasis now. But there is so little space and opportunity to learn about real life experiences, to gain knowledge and insights and skills. And so many times when I teach topics such as conflict resolution, positive psychology, um, you know, what is the gift of feedback, assertiveness skills, and with assertiveness skills, people's personal rights, their jaws drop and they think, why didn't we learn it earlier? Mm. And I feel that schools do have a professional, but importantly, a moral responsibility to pass this knowledge on to the students because they are shaping students' lives and we all want students to have the best possible life. And I know it sounds a bit altruistic, Mm. but I'm a parent and I'm blessed to be a grandparent. And yes, everyone wants the same thing, the best life where students fit into society seamlessly because so many struggle because they haven't got that foundation that I was blessed to receive. So when you say, um, people say, oh, I wish I'd I'd started to learn about this earlier. How how early is early? yeah, within the school system, I would say probably around the VC before they leave or very early on in tertiary education. You want to embed knowledge, skills and attitudes early because then they become part of the person, you know, part of that personality and way of being, way of responding. So the sooner, too soon because you need a readiness level the better it is for the individual to embed that and most students they got to work 
know, mm. quite early to get some pocket money. Yeah. So if they had these skills, and in fact that's exactly what employees are wanting, it helps them navigate the world of work. I mean, I don't know about you, Colin, but, you know, when I first went into teaching um, straight after uni, it was like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> is this full-time work? It's a whole new um, way of thinking, a whole new space to think mm. I'm not a student anymore. Um, I have responsibilities for my practice. I have responsibilities for teachers. I have responsibility to make sure I've got the best classes. And I'm working nine to five and beyond. And, you know, we have to transition into this. Yeah. So it, when when a student is facing a situation where they think, oh, gee, I wish I had a, a shoulder to lean on here, is it, uh, is, it, is it more that the student needs to be motivated in trying to seek out a mentor and and if they are feeling that way, what are, and you, you talked earlier a little bit about compatibility as well. If a student is thinking, oh, you know, I really need that that extra helping hand here. What what sort of qualities should that person or should that student be looking for in a potential mentor? Okay, there's two types of mentoring we're referring to, or I think your question refers to mentoring as in face to face. But I think through the mentoring course. I am mentoring participants, students through the content. But I think in the end, what I feel I've done is willing to share my knowledge, my skills, my practices, what worked, what didn't work, but then what I did about it. You know, as McDonald says, it's about the mopping up. Mm. I'm giving myself and um, unstintingly, you know, my heart and soul, um, any, anything to develop that great positive relationship. And so I'm also invested in the relationship to help the student, to help the individual succeed. But it's two ways because that individual also needs to do what he or she needs to do to succeed. So if they've got particular tasks or readings or activities to do, that's what they need to do because it's very goal-focused. So I can do my part but they need to do their part. Mm. Okay. So in your courses, what are the what are the key things that you try to communicate? I, I would assume that your courses are broken down into various, various sections. Can you give us a run-through of what that looks like? Okay. Um, thank you. That's a great question. Um, firstly, the aim of the whole mentoring process is to develop higher-level skills and overcome barriers to build confidence to attain your career goals. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but <laughs> what I said earlier before, we don't want to just see the world through a um, shallow, narrow lens. We want to develop that higher level skills to see the analysis or yep. parts of a situation, that higher level thinking. We've all got barriers and obstacles. Well, how can they be overcome? That is the difference between success and failure, yeah. like everyone can. And that's where mentoring fits. You're helping individuals overcome these barriers. You are their backstop. You are giving them options and you are there for them unconditionally so that, yes, they can be vulnerable. And it is through that process they build confidence and therefore can reach their career goals. So as I said, I started writing the course and it became bigger than Ben-Hur and I thought, uh-oh, I think I better divide this up. So there are four parts. Um, the first part is your career journey because it makes sense to start thinking about themselves, you know, what's their journey been like? Mm. And 
looking at the changing nature of life, learning and work because that's all changed over the years. I mean, there are so many variables. It's not like, you know, the good old 95 or having the one qualification that often did people for the rest of their life. So it's the looking at the changing nature um, and there are a lot of elements to that. Looking at, therefore, their career journey, what are their aspirations and the modern workplace? So, what does that look like? So if I can just jump in there, in the context of your course then, are you thinking about uh, teachers who are doing this course who will then disseminate that information to the students in their care or is this also applicable to the teachers themselves who are doing the course and their own career journey? Yeah, um, both because I think as a teacher you need to experience things first. Once you experience it, then you've got um, the inside knowledge of sharing these activities with your students. So um, obviously they're very early in their career journey, but there's a lot of that content that is absolutely useful because it starts off with setting the scene and they've already got some ideas about career. And in fact, there's one theory super, which I love. Um, it looks at careers very early on. So young children, they're already observing their parents and their family members going to work. They see different patterns. They see TV and, oh, you know, this is quite glamorous. How come my um, parents, they work in a shop? Or in an <laughs> yeah, why am I so not so glamorous? <laughs> exactly. So it starts very early Oh, no. <laughs> That's all right. They get the hang of it once they're teenagers and they realise not everyone can have these glamorous and high-paying jobs. So I'll just enjoy the glamour whilst my son doesn't realise that I actually am not that glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so once we have the career journey, what next? What about career transition and ongoing professional development? Leah expands on those ideas in just a moment. And for more insight from another great TTA presenter looking to help students make the next big step, check out my conversation with maths teacher Steve Howard. And um, I don't know, let, let's say a topic, mathematical induction. It doesn't matter because some of your readers or listeners won't uh, know about it. But <laughs> Of course, well, everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Let me, let, let me just be clear on that. Oh, we all know what you mean, of course. Yeah. Induction, yeah, I get that. <laughs> and, and the important thing is delving To hear the full interview, make sure you subscribe to Central Station on your favourite podcast app or visit the website, central.com.au slash podcast. Once we have um, the career journey, we then look at um, making career transitions and professional development because, you know, often there are courses and things we need to do to take action to that next step to um, arrange and go to um, meet one's potential. Now, interpersonal skills for life and work. Um, this is what we need. We work in a world with other people. So, of course, we need those people skills. This is also what employers are asking. So the mentoring course has a real niche in developing communication skills, listening skills, empathy. I've got to say with empathy, that's what most people struggle with. And I think it goes back to being a baby and, you know, the world is around me. And, of course, parents um, indulge that whole outlook. But um, you need to, you know, really um, have empathy in life for successful relationships. Mm. We look at assertiveness skills and the questioning skills and the gift of feedback. And that's what mentors need, um, feedback 
um, for themselves. And then once they have feedback to operate on that higher level, they can give feedback to um, students. So they think of many options. And of course, then the last module is dealing with specific situations. So it's time management. You know, I know it sounds really corny, but there are um, so many things we've all got to do yeah. in a set time. It's like we're all juggling, we're all behind the eight ball. How do we do that? So it's time management, um, conflict resolution. How do we resolve conflict? When I started teaching that, um, I actually called it conflict um, resolution constructively, and it was that word constructively that made a difference because we can all resolve conflict yeah. whether it works or not or, um, <laughs> kind words are a big stick <laughs> exactly conflict resolution i've added a really good chapter in there uh, forgiveness because um when you resolve conflict you need to forgive yourself and forgive others and i'm actually always struggling to understand why forgiveness is such a big issue for people um, but it is. And then there's managing stress and work-life balance that is very, yeah. very important um, in this day and age because most people um, work too much or they've got periods where they're unemployed or underemployed. Yeah. So you mentioned empathy there just a moment ago. And empathy is something I've been reading about recently in Alan Alder's new book, if uh, which is titled, If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? <laughs> which I think is a fantastic title. When you go to talk to people about empathy, where do you start with that? Um, they have to go deep inside themselves and really understand what is empathy. When have they experienced empathy? And then when have they given empathy? But empathy is a little bit um, isolated because we only develop empathy through active listening. And I don't want to sound academic, but it's through active listening. When we work at our listening skills, we really listen to the content. What is the person saying? What aren't they saying? What is their body language? What is their emotional response to this content? And once they um, stop thinking about themselves and really give over to the other person, yeah. that's how we develop empathy, you know, seeing things from another point of view. And that's called the you attitude. Do people shift? In time, they do. And mm. when they shift, they actually become, um, I put a say, nicer, kinder, softer, maybe a bit more vulnerable. And that's okay. Yeah. I'm just thinking about what you said there with respect to when someone really listens. I'm just going to go a little bit off track here. But when I think about how much people use electronic devices these days and when I see how engrossed people are you know you when you're walking along the street people are almost bumping into you because well because they're not watching where they're going because they're watching their devices is is there really hope for really listening to other people um, it's interesting you say that because before I taught listening skills I used to think everyone can listen it's automatic um, there's a huge difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is physiological. If I drop a pen or someone um, toots their horn in the car, we hear all that. Yeah. But listening is actually processing the content on the three levels that I've just uh, mentioned. And it's actually a lot of hard work. And that's why people don't listen intently all the time because of the emotions that they need to expel in that process. But when you listen, um, first it's rewarding for you because you get the whole message and then the other person feels validated. It's like, oh, I've been heard. 
and not many people, sadly, are heard. And um, when we've got all these devices and distractions, it actually makes it harder for people to be listened to with these short attention spans. Mm. So do you do a lot of work with people who seem to have problems being uh, distracted by technology, which causes shortened attention spans? Do you get any commentary on that subject happening in your courses? Uh, look, I do. Um, this course is online, so I don't oh, get that kind, of, <laughs> that kind of commentary. But certainly in face-to-face training, yeah. people realise that they're actually not very good listeners for a whole lot of reasons. Um, one of them is they haven't been taught. One of them, as I said, people are absorbed with themselves. One of them is people thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to say in response? <laughs> yeah, if I actually is, really listen to someone, I might have to say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about dropping their own biases, and that's hard for people because these are so well entrenched. But it's about relaxing and giving over to the other person without interruptions. We've uh, talked a little bit about what it's like to be a teacher and you, you mentioned that it's like stepping into another world once you realise that you have the responsibility for your students. Should schools be using effective mentoring strategies for their teachers? Yeah. Oh, look, um, I think it's exactly where the course fits with TTA and that's why um, teachers have enrolled in the course because they need to be mentored in order to see themselves in different perspectives on a higher level. Once those um, higher level skills, they have developed the insight and wisdom through reflection, all of a sudden they're able to pass this knowledge and experience and their being to students, not at a lower ho-hum level, and I'm not making um, a mockery of teachers far from it it's Mm. saying once you have been mentored the way of being is at a higher level Mm. and that's what they need to impart to students so students then start operating on that um, high level because that's what they've got from the teacher is this something that schools can fit into their schedules Or, or should we be sorry the other side of that question is should we make should we be making specific time available to teaching staff to create time for mentoring or can we just can we just expect that they'll just add that on top of what they do? Yeah. Um, look, I am committed to my profession and um, I think teachers are. Otherwise, they would not be able to be in the profession um, because they'd be caught out. They wouldn't be able to sustain it. Part of personal and professional development is making a commitment to your, literally your development, your skills, your competencies, but it's looking at, um, you know, your life experiences. And yeah. sometimes, you know, we have triggers and vulnerabilities and things worked and mm. don't work. And we need to come to terms uh, with that. Yes, it's damn hard and most people cover it up. They don't even want to address it. And so um, it's always there. And I think, again, if you're serious, make time for your development. I'm sure like you, Colin, you know, we work <laughs> and we need to work. It's no longer nine to five. And teachers shouldn't really see development only occurring during school hours, you know, because that's not what um, the world is anymore. Mm. We're around the 24-7. So, yes, make time for your career development, your personal development, so that you can grow um, and be um, 
it brought more insightful, you know, that whole why, you know, wisdom and being, that's where it comes from. Mm. So do you think that we're underutilizing or underselling mentoring then in the workplace or at school? I mean, you might get a few people saying, oh, look, you know, I've got it covered. I'll be all right. Yeah. Um, we are underutilizing and underselling mentoring. Um, considering the picture that I've just painted, um, we need to develop uh, relationships where we connect in an authentic way with ourselves first, then with other people, with employers, with students, and also to our community. We can all inspire others to be more than what they are at the moment. Yep. And this way we're tapping into their potential. Just like my friend, what she did, she tapped into something into me that also brought out my potential. Um, and I think we have a responsibility as teachers, as adults, to mentor others and also to give back. And that's what the teaching profession is all about. But maybe because I'm you know, getting a bit older, it also ties in with what is our life purpose and how do we want to be remembered? Mm. But it sounds very much like it's a one-way relationship. It's not because mentors receive enormous pride and recognition when they're involved in somebody else's journey. Yeah. Well, I'm feeling incredibly motivated after having spoken to you about mentoring this afternoon, and I've, I've got renewed perspective on its importance. Leah, it's been terrific. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Colin. Appreciate your time as well. You've been listening to Central Station. To find out more about Leah's courses for teachers, visit the TTA website at tta.edu.au. Or you can visit careercoachingandtraining.com.au. And remember, you can subscribe to Central Station completely for free on your favourite podcast app, or you can visit the website, central.com.au slash podcast. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now. Listener.